Rejecting the screen this week, Noah Kozlov on the East Coast. Adam Stenko is out west a day early as we record this Sunday evening, 6, 10 p.m. Eastern time, as we reflect personally on the life of Kobe Bryant, who tragically passed away along with his daughter Gianna and others in a helicopter crash on Sunday morning. My first thought, Adam, was about his family and about his daughters and the forever pain that his family is going to go through. And I was brought to tears thinking about their seven-month-old daughter who will never have any memories of her father, who's never going to know that, remember any of these times that they had together for these first seven months. Yep. And I started to think back to the first time I ever saw Kobe, and we're going to get your reflections as well, the two of us both from Philadelphia. Kobe played at Lower Marion High School, and District 1 was the district that my high school was in, Abington High School, in 1996 when Kobe was a senior, and I was a freshman in high school. District 1 semifinals at the Palestra, where Penn plays one of the legendary venues of all of basketball. Lower Marion against Coatesville against Richard Hamilton, and there wasn't an inch of space available at the Palestra for anyone else to, to sit. It was, a, it was a true fire hazard. I was sitting... I had, I think, one cheek in the aisle, one cheek on one of the bleachers, <laughs> and Kobe single-handedly breaking three-on-one presses. He made, he made Richard Hamilton look like a JV player that night. Mm-hmm. And that was the time I saw Kobe in high school, and then, of course, he went on to the NBA. And it is, it's shocking. It's devastating on so many levels, but I, I, I cannot stop thinking about the pain that his family is going through. Yeah, I mean, obviously we need to to start there and, and acknowledge that it's impossible for any of us to figure out what it is that they're dealing with and what they've got ahead of them. And so thoughts and love goes out to to Kobe's entire family and all their friends and all Gianna's friends. And uh, it's just, you know, you talk about your your first thought, Noah, and Kobe has has kids the same age as, as mine. Um, you know, I think they're 17, Gianna's 13, the three-year-old, I think, and then seven-month-old, is that, is that correct? Um, and, you know, I got a 16-year-old, 13-year-old, about to be three and a, and, a, and a baby coming soon. And so just thinking about family first and big message recently, and certainly from Kobe, but a lot of guys around the NBA has been, Hey, we're human. You know, all these guys are now starting to do podcasts and you're starting to hear personal stories and whether it's all the smoke and Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson talk about being fathers with Steph Curry, or you're hearing other podcasts, um, you know, with Quentin Richardson and, and, uh, Darius miles talking to Nate Robinson about being a kid and then having kids of your own. Like it's just Time and again, we forget that first of all, these NBA guys are 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 people and humans, but we also forget that they're their fathers, their sons, brothers, friends, and recently their voice has been greater than ever. And and I bring all that up to say that Kobe's been on podcasts. He he did all the smoke, you know. He he's done interviews recently. He's exposed himself a lot more and opened himself and revealed himself a lot more over the past year than in a long time. And and it's been about not just talking about his playing days and his relationship with Shaq, of course, and all those things, but also the other things that he's gotten into, which I've been super proud of. 
the children's books, the the fact that he's taken such a great interest in, you know, his daughter's learning the game and, you know, he's been a huge advocate for women's basketball and, and just all these different things that we always try to paint people as being one way. And he's obviously been a complicated guy, but also an intelligent guy and a caring guy. And I got to see that. You talked about your first experience. It's interesting, Noah. You and I were both at that game seeing, you know, Rip's Coatesville team. We I went to Westchester East High School also in District 1. It was the heyday in in the mid-90s. So many D1 players were coming out of the suburbs and people didn't realize. And I always try to tell that to people and explain it to them. They always think of the Philly Public League or the Catholic League having all these pros. They did for a while. But then in the mid-90s, all of a sudden, you had this explosion with Kobe and Rip and Jameer Nelson and Matt Carroll and John Salmons and the list goes on and on. And I, the thing that I tried to explain to people, the first time I ever heard about Kobe, a kid by the name of Mike Hopkins, buddy of mine, teammate of mine, Mike had told me, his older brother Dave was an excellent player, went on to play at Navy, but Mike told me, hey, this kid I'm playing Sonny Hill with, he's like, this kid Kobe, I think he was calling Kobe, he wasn't even calling him Kobe at the time, like screwing up his name. He goes, this kid Kobe's dunking on everyone. He's unbelievable, man. Next thing you know, he's one of the top juniors in the city, and then that turned, you know, rising juniors, and then that turned into one of the top players in the entire country and having a a kid from the suburbs was interesting because my dad went to high school with Pat Riley and so all my life I'd all all I ever heard from my dad is yeah these kids that you play with or you're around or what have you yeah they're pretty good but I went to high school with Pat Riley he was unbelievable he went to Kentucky and played with the Lakers that was always the thing that was a measuring stick I could never have a guy so to me just finding someone around that would be pretty good. And we knew Rip was going to be good, but like, but Kobe was just on this other stratosphere. And so to have Kobe coming up, playing in Narberth League and all these local areas and part of the basketball community in Southeastern PA, which as you know, no, I mean, that's how we connect. Like we're all small and love hoops on this, this deeper level. And he was the guy and there was just no way around it. And yet he didn't get respect from the city folks, which I've explained to people for a while because he was a suburbs kid in theory, but I also thought he was, he, everyone talks about the international influence of the game. All the great things they talk about with international players. Oh, well, they get, you know, they, they train a certain way and their skill set is a certain thing, but we think about them as being soft and not as athletic, or at least that was the stereotype for a long time with Kobe. That was the thing. His dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, gave him the, these great athletic gifts, taught him the game, but then he also learned these European fundamentals growing up in Italy and just a different way to view life and appreciate life. And then comes to the States and now he's got this great combination of athleticism and fundamentals and an appreciation for the game. And not to mention, we can get into the work ethic and all that, but saw him in that game against Coatesville. It saw him against Chester. And then for me, what was even crazier was I, I just tweeted this story out, but I, my mom was a huge fan. He, you know, Kobe goes to the prom with Brandy, and my mom loves it. Had his birthday is she's got his birthday memorized. All this. So after my freshman year of college, it's Kobe's rookie year, and I had been telling everybody like, "Oh, this guy is going to be a superstar." All this, and Kobe, you know, his his rookie year, he was seventeen years old. I mean, he was just young and so remarkable that he was even playing in the NBA, but not getting the opportunities that he deserved and would eventually become the superstar Kobe Bryant. But I'm telling everybody about how this greatness and things that I had seen and knew about and talked to people. Well, I'm in South Street 
And um, oh, actually, no, sorry, it was after my sophomore year of high school. I mean, sophomore year of college. And I'm in South Street, and as I'm in South Street with this girlfriend of mine at the time, we're at this food stand, and I look over to my right, and the South Street is packed, people lining both sides of the street, all this stuff. And Kobe is standing against the wall with two of his friends. No one knew who he was. Nobody. He was at that point in his professional career where no one really knew him on a grand scale. And we're sitting there, we're standing there at the food stand waiting for our food. And I turn to her, this girl and I go, do you know who that is? And she goes, no. I go, that's Kobe Bryant. And to me, it was a huge deal. To her, she was like, oh, who? You know, what does that mean? So I go, he's in the NBA, plays for the Lakers, like came straight out of high school. He's a legend here. And no, I don't. I, yeah. So anyway, as we're waiting for our food, Kobe's five, 10 feet away from us with two friends. And all of a sudden, this cop comes over and just starts harassing these guys because they're taller black guys. And even though there's a bunch of people there, oh, you can't stand here. You have to keep moving. Everybody's got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Meanwhile, everyone's standing. If you've ever been to South Street, it's a hangout yeah, sure. spot. The zipper head skate shop was down there, all this stuff. And people are just lounging and hanging out. It was like a great hangout spot. Boys to men sing about it. You know, it's like, and, and here Kobe is just standing there. And it was like, it was discriminatory and it was racist. It was everything we think about now, racial profiling, all this stuff. Wow. But it's late nineties and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, this cop has no idea who this guy is. And Kobe's not saying anything. He's just standing against the wall, like smiling, but in a way like, I can't believe this is happening. And his friends are saying, why are you giving us a hard time? Look at all these other people around us that are standing around. Like, what are you profiling us? And the cop ended up walking away and I remember thinking to myself, if that cop knew who he was, or certainly years later, I thought of that moment, like if Kobe walked down those same streets, that same cop would be running up. Can I get a picture? Can I have an autograph? You know, I would, can you call my kids? All that kind of stuff. But I just, I, I think about just how connected, Noah, that sort of you and I experienced the same things that he did, not in the same ways and not through the same lens, but living in the same area and watching him just explode was kind of, it's kind of remarkable. And it's, it's just truly heartbreaking. I get some more reflections on Kobe Bryant coming up after this. Back in 2006, it was, NFL Championship Sunday, Conference Championship Sunday, it was when Jerome Bettis and the Steelers, Bettis going back home to Detroit where the Super Bowl was, Steelers won the AFC, Seahawks won the NFC, and usually that's the headline, the Super Bowl teams. But it was also the night Kobe went for 81, and I was working at NBA.com at the time, or working for the NBA, and I was voicing highlights on NBA.com, and I got to voice that highlight for NBA.com, and I go back and and listen to it a, a few years ago, I was thinking to myself, man, I wish I wasn't 24 years old doing that. Because I didn't <laughs> think it was, <laughs> it wasn't up to par with, you didn't do I, it just with what I would do now. I don't, I don't think, but I don't, I don't know. I think I just, I, I do remember just ripping off a whole bunch of records, like Kobe's high school records and almost putting his career in the perspective at that, at that point. And so thinking that, wow, I've got a, I've got a place in history now with Kobe Bryant. Here, here's for the official NBA website doing his, doing his 81. And then 
fast forward to just a few days ago and Kobe retweeted our latest podcast with Robert Sacre, his former teammate in LA. And it turned out that those two, their final game was Kobe's final game when he went for 60 was Robert Sacre's final game. And, and he took a DMP and you tweeted out that audiogram of Robert Sacre talking about Kobe testing your manhood, fighting through a screen. And Sacre had said, I really wanted to hit him hard. And he did. So the next time, Kobe gave him an uppercut and, and knocked the wind out of him a bit. And Kobe retweeted that. And he had only tweeted twice since. It was retweeting an Allen Iverson video from Players Tribune and then tweeting congratulations to LeBron for passing him on the all-time scoring list. So when you go to Kobe's Twitter page, and I've taken screenshots of it, you can zoom out a bit, and it's just Kobe Bryant, his header, the tweet to LeBron, the retweet of the Iverson. It's a, so it says Kobe Bryant congratulating LeBron, and it says Allen Iverson, and it says Adam Stenko rejecting the screen podcast. It's, it's surreal. And it just the other day, I was talking to I was talking to my father about about Kobe and and telling him the stories from from Robert Sacre, and thinking about his life as it's it's complicated. And I and I, I said to him, "Where do you think what happened in Colorado? Where does that go in his obituary?" And and just saying that last week, and and I, and I don't want I don't want to rehash that that part of his life today. But just thinking, where would that go in his obituary? Just those, just those words are so haunting now since I just uttered it a week ago. Yeah, and you know what's crazy about you saying that? So, so you know, we put the tweet out there. We're trying to promote the podcast. You're hoping Kobe Bryant with his 14 million followers, you know, acknowledges. Even a like would have, would have done something to boost that, that tweet. And now all of a sudden... You know, he retweets it. People were going nuts because he retweeted it, including myself and, and the two of us. We were all excited, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast because they saw that tweet. I'm sure of it. Um, I actually, you know, and I'm almost ashamed to admit a similar thing where, you know, um, a friend of mine reached out and it had been like two days and Kobe hadn't tweeted anything else. I go, and my friend re- said, hey, um, that uh that tweet's still up there it's still the first thing and i go yeah maybe it'll be his last ever tweet and i i meant it to say you know maybe he loved it so much that that's the last thing that he'll ever <laughs> right. tweet about you know he'll retire yeah. from twitter yeah and of course you know all this stuff is couldn't even be fathomed but i you know it almost feels like 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 i almost feel like it's it's almost wrong like, even though it was great because I think Sacre shed a light on this other side of Kobe, which I think is, is people learning more and more about. And so if people hear that and hear some of the stuff we're talking about and our personal experiences and the, the impact he had on so many people, so many people felt close to him or were impacted by him. And you're seeing it all in the basketball community now and really beyond basketball, just all these people that are crying and upset and heartbroken and mourning his loss. Not because they knew him personally, although some did, but just the impact that he had 
on the game and, and what it's meant to so many of us. And, and we say the game, not just like what he did on the basketball court, but he was just an influential figure. Um, and so I, it's crazy to think that, yeah, you look up historically forever. I mean, it, that the last two people that he, he recognized a tweet from were Alan Iverson and, and then you and I, Noah, and, and our, our Rejecting the Screen podcast is, is just bananas to me. And I, and, and I would just hope that, you know, the, the people realize that we do have this great connection and affinity for what he did. And, and um, I'll always be appreciative. And I, I know, you know, I think back, the, the other part that was wild to me, my other connection, I ended up working for, as I've talked about a lot on the podcast, but this high school sports show after, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was like a year out of college. I'm hosting it and stuff at the old Inquirer high school sports show. Dave McMiniman was our intern. And Dave was just in high school and we're covering LeBron while he's still in high school, you know, cause LeBron's like a rising junior, all this stuff. And we would talk about Kobe all the time. And they had all these old tapes with Mike Sklute, who used to work for the show and actually Nagandi worked for it. But like all these guys that had been there prior to me and they had done interviews and my mentor who actually passed away a couple of years ago, Don Kimberling was a producer for the high school sports show. He put together pieces on Kobe and they'd gone out and interviewed him. And Skloot played one-on-one. And I used to just devour their interviews and these the old footage. And any footage you see now of Kobe, Lower Marion, against Coatesville, against Chester, any of the high school stuff mm-hmm. is all from the archives from, from this show. It was all shot by, by these guys, uh, Stu Ross Productions. And so it was wild. And uh, Jeremy Treatman, who used to put together these high school tournaments and still does, he actually put together the one with Bronny. Uh, this past year, he put together mm-hmm. one for LeBron. Dave McMiniman wrote a piece about it a few weeks ago, and he actually was an assistant coach. He got himself an assistant coaching gig on Lower Marion treatment did, and his hope was to one day write the book on Kobe. Now, as the story goes, eventually Kobe ends up making it to the NBA. Treatment and Kobe had a friendship and all this stuff. They had this connection. <laughs> Kobe gets to the NBA, and Jeremy's ready to write the book, and and the story goes that Kobe's agent was like, no, you're not going to be the one writing that, that book. You, know, <laughs> you, were, you were an assistant on his high school team, what have you. Um, but I'll tell you that the, the other part about it with Kobe was his passion for the game. And he, there was a certain point. People have sort of, I think, misconstrued his high school years and think that he didn't take it seriously. What he did for Lower Marion and for that area, which is right outside of Philadelphia, I mean, it's the suburbs, but it's right outside. It's never considered to be a, a city school per se. But like, what's crazy was what he, what he did was like, he brought this passion and brought this community. I couldn't believe they were competing for state championships while he was there. People knew what the program was like before, you know, Kobe had gotten there, played with a kid named Dan Pangrazio, who I think ended up transferring. I think he was younger. He was a shooter. Uh, but, but I think the story has gone on. It's like, you hear from Phil and these, these other guys, well, when Kobe was in college, he was uh, high school, he was toying with guys and wasn't really, but it wasn't, he wasn't taking it seriously. I remember a guy, this guy, Rob, that we knew, I think Kobe was playing against Henderson rival school. I knew had some friends on Henderson's team, bunch of people. Kobe's playing against them. And I think Rob's talking trash from the sideline, yelling at Kobe. Mm -hmm. Kobe's talking trash right back to him as the guy in the stand. And it's just like, he had this flair for competitiveness and, and stuff that we've, we've ever only rarely seen. And no, I know you must have 
50 stories from NBA guys you've been around about the Kobe work ethic, which is to me like maybe the most remarkable part of, of his whole career was I don't think there's been a player in NBA history that's that's worked harder than Kobe Bryant. Everybody has a Kobe Bryant workout story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's lifting after games and getting up more shots and never accepting mediocrity from teammates. The 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 Kobe, the Kobe mentality, that Mamba mentality, will be running deep in in locker rooms for for years to come. And I just, but I, but I, I just can't stop thinking about Vanessa, Natalia, Bianca, and 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 the, yep. the baby Capri, and you know, and, and you know, Kobe lived the life, and it, and it's you know, forty one years is is not long enough, but. But Kobe, Kobe lived a life, and 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 Gianna did not, and that is at thirteen is is truly heartbreaking. I'll take a break and have some more thoughts coming up. And if you've ever been a listener to this podcast, you've heard all the great advertisers that we work with on Locked On to reach sports fans. So it could be a good opportunity to work with Locked On Lakers. You want to get the deeper perspective on Kobe. You can reach the Laker fan base. And unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company that unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And you can do that right here. Just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help you and your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Just text the word advertising 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you. Something that popped into my mind today as I you know, thought about not just Kobe's life, but moving forward as Kobe was headed into the Hall of Fame this year with KG and Tim Duncan and it was the you know, the all-time class, those those three. Yep. And I started to think, well, what if Duncan, and I, and I first thought about Tim Duncan was, you know, what if he said, you know what, let's let's just make this all about Kobe. We'll put we'll put ours off for a year. And this the entire Hall of Fame ceremony could be about Kobe Bryant. Because imagine going up there and giving your speech after whether it's Vanessa or, or somebody else represents Kobe impossible up there impossible yes yeah, so I, don't, I don't know how that would be approached or or if it or if they'll approach this year's class but I think it's something worth thinking about yeah I think you bring up a wonderful point Noah that I don't think anyone's even begun to think about and for good reason but I think yeah it'd be impossible and I'm sure those guys would would not want to be in that position. They'd also want to honor Kobe in a way that would be truly remarkable. Um, as someone texted me earlier today, got obviously all of us in the basketball community have been texting frantically back and forth and just in disbelief. And they brought up the name Roberto Clemente. And I think that's probably one of the few comparisons you can make. I know as a kid, for me, I was devastated with another Philly guy. And Hank Gathers lost lost his life, you know, actually playing the game. And and still 41 is is so young, especially when you consider 
I mean, you brought it up earlier, his last game and just being in 2016. And you feel like Kobe could still play now. There was just a push for the all-star game, Kobe getting in. Um, the other thing is, you know, you mentioned Rip Hamilton earlier in the podcast. I wrote a piece a long time ago about just the parallels with him and Rip. I'd be curious to pick Rip's brain. You know, they, you mentioned the, the game in high school that they played against each other and battle in, in District 1. But it was always interesting because these guys were the same class, class of 96. And they both were McDonald's All-Americans. I, I, this parallel was crazy throughout their careers, though, because they both played for District 1 outside the city, suburb schools. They both were McDonald's All-Americans. But Kobe always had this leg up on Rip. Because Kobe is not just a McDonald's All-American, but he's battling for National Player of the Year. Rip is a fringe McDonald's All-American, you know, 20 to 25th ranked guy in the country. Then you go, Kobe goes to the NBA, Rip goes to UConn. So once again, amazing accomplishments, but Kobe's overshadows Rip's. Then Rip's winning NCAA championships, Kobe's winning NBA championships. And then remarkably, they end up meeting in the finals, the NBA finals. After being their best players on their high school teams, fighting for a district championship, they meet for an NBA championship, which I always thought just was the coolest thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and then, you know, just the contrast of where they, yeah. their neighborhoods were, Coatesville, uh, more of a blue collar, lower Marion, more white collar area. And it just, it's, uh, it's amazing, though, like to, to think back to that whole time and, and Kobe declaring for the draft and, catching hell for it. I think at the time there hadn't been a guard that had declared and that was crazy and guys not wanting him to make it. I felt like a lot of Philly writers really didn't want him to make it because he oh, was yeah. a kid. Right. And yeah. And then he gets booed at the all-star game in, in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, he got, he got, he got booed way too often in Philadelphia. Yeah. Way, way was, too often. And, the, and what people don't realize, no, and he certainly they've, they've understood it more recently, but you know, he's a, he's a Philly fan at heart. Like he loves mm-hmm. the Eagles or love the Eagles and, and he's, you know, Philly fan to the core and also claim that that stuff really didn't, didn't bother him all that much. So it's just, you think about a guy that came in and in 96 and played till 2016. And we talked to Kevin Willis recently and just all the things you experienced just, and Kevin Willis was an outstanding player in his own right. All the things he got to experience playing two decades in the NBA for Kobe though, a guy at his level, just the impact that he's had on so many people. The fact that we're still talking about, oh, should he be in this year's dunk contest? You know, Dwight Howard, the dunk contest stuff we're talking about. <laughs> Last night, the scoring record. I mean, what is, how about the, I mean, I, I don't know if irony is even the right word for it. I, I called it poetic justice earlier today, but, you know, LeBron passes him on the all-time scoring list. And I just heard right. Kobe say in an interview it's, recently. It's something, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard Kobe say in an interview recently, what about, he said, uh, it kind of burns me a little bit that the first few years I was in the league, like I wasn't getting that playing time. Because if I knew people were going to care so much about your career totals and points and, <laughs> yeah, and, right. and assists and all those things, then maybe I would have cared a little more that I, that I was playing early on. So I don't know. Just on the whole, it's, it's incredible, man. I, I, I like, and, and I just keep coming back to what you keep saying. It's like we have all these stories. We have all these things you think you know of someone and it all hurts us all. And yet the family, I just keep, I, I'm, I'm just sick to my stomach over thinking about what, what life is going to be like for the next forever, forever, right, forever, say. forever. Yeah. I was, I was giving to eat in the bath and then she was watching the news coverage with us and you know, she's five. And I was talking to Eden about 
and stuff to talk about. And, and I've had, uh, I've had friends die. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I was, I was telling Eden that the, 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 no parent ever wants their child to feel any pain. That is, that's their, that's their number one, their number one priority. And, and the, and the, the nightmare of any parent is, is having to bury a child. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing that could be worse in life. And, uh, and I, and, I, and, you know, I know it's a lot for a five-year-old and I said, you know, but you know, that's what Vanessa is, is her, his husband, she's now lost her husband and she lost her daughter and her sisters lost a sister and their father. And, and, and when you don't want your children to feel any pain and now you're in that family and, and you're bearing a, a father and a sister and a daughter and a husband, it's, uh, it's, un, it's unthinkable. Um, on this podcast, we've, We've spent some time talking about Kobe on a few of the Going ISO episodes, the long-form interviews that we do on Thursday. So I'd, I'd recommend people going back, take a listen to the Howard Beck one. Howard mm-hmm. covered Kobe when he was with the uh, LA Daily News, so a lot of Kobe and Shaq stories. And then the most recent one we did just this past week with Robert Sacre, the, uh, his teammate told the story about the uppercut, told the story about Kobe in... San Francisco and they went out for a nice meal and the chef said he was a huge Kobe fan, but he was also a Warriors fan. And, yes. and <laughs> Kobe said, I'm not, I'm not eating that. I don't, I don't care how fancy this restaurant is. I'm not, I'm not touching that meal. And he, and he ended up not eating dinner there. Um, so if you want to go back and, and take a listen to a few of those, I'd, uh, I'd suggest that as well. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday as we go ISO here on rejecting the screen.